Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. because you were so complimentary and uh, I'm sure somebody's out there looking for an agent so I think you ought to give it serious consideration. <laughs> well, you know, you can only you can only expound like that if you were totally in love with something. So I would well, be a bad agent if I didn't believe in something. So, you know, um but but I'd happily take your book uh, on Bigfoot on the Road and and you know, um I think it is one of the most touching books I've ever read and so beautifully done, and it makes you feel differently, you know, with all of the TV shows out there, you know, about, you know, 
these monsters, and and they aren't. And uh, I think that that it's it's important that people realize that you know I'm not saying everybody should walk up to them and hand them a bouquet of flowers, but respect them and and their territory. And you know they they are not they, they are not the vicious things that people have have portrayed them to be. So. So anyhow, it's my favorite book of all all the books you've written so far. Well, you're very kind. And your audience will be amazed <laughs> that that is not the topic we chose to talk about tonight. No, sorry. I I tend to wax poetic on it because I love the book so much. But yes, tell us about what we're talking about tonight. Well, you and you and I I think it was last week that we spoke about this and um there has been so much coming out in the media about these um pilot uh, radar pictures of little UFOs, and everybody's all excited because the Pentagon is, you know, letting some of this information out, and they're allowing the pilots to let stuff out. And if I were to put a title on my slant on what's been going on with this recent disclosure information, I would put the title out as the government is spoon-feeding us inf- UFO information. Um and, you know, I spent a, a lot of time interviewing other people for the website and reading other people's books. And this time I really would like to speak from a first-person uh, position when it comes to this subject. Uh, back in um, 1986, I moved to Cocoa Beach, and I could see uh, the Space Center way out there in kind of a, a, a finger of land that stuck out into the ocean, and I could feel the uh, rockets go off. I could feel the vibration under my uh, place that I lived. Uh, so I was really in the thick of it. And I was there, um, like I said, I, w- I moved to the beach in, I think, around 86. And that was the year of the shuttle disaster, the Challenger. And oh, wow. at the time, at the time, I was working for Eastern Florida State College which at the time was known as Brevard Community College, and it would be the closest um, institution of that kind to uh, the Space Center. So I was really close to it. And um, I was going back to the college. I don't know where I'd been, but I'd been somewhere. And I'm driving north on Highway 1, and I've got the radio on because the shuttle uh, uh, Challenger was being launched. So I'm watching this go up as I'm driving. I've got the news on the radio, so I'm hearing it blow by blow as I'm watching it. And then all of a sudden I look at it and I go, that's not right. And so I I pulled over, and other people did too, and just watched it. I mean, it didn't take you long to figure out it was going down. So that was really very momentous. Well, I got into this even thicker because... Uh, one of the um, uh, astronauts, uh, his name was Clark McClellan. Now, he was, um, I can't remember his title, he was like a shuttle command um, engineer, so he could operate the shuttle um, or the, from, from, the, uh, from the ground. And he was um, at that, uh, you know, with all the monitors, and he watched at one point, a very tall alien meet with one of our astronauts out in the open bay of the uh, shuttle, and which is really quite phenomenal. Now, yeah. he made the mistake of letting some other people, he talked about it, not a lot, but he talked about it. Because of that, because he let out that he saw this, he lost his job, he lost his benefits, um, he, anytime he wanted to get a job, it, the opportunity was destroyed. So from that point on, you know, his life was miserable, just, you know, miserable. And uh-huh. to make a double whammy out of it, um, his girlfriend was uh, Judith Resnick, who was one of the people on that Challenger disaster that crashed or burned up or whatever. So, yeah. Um, I was invited, uh, actually through my sister, uh, to a place, to someone's home in Orlando during this time period, right after he all of this had happened. And it was for Clark to be able to tell his experience to a few people at this person's home. 
um, looking back on it, I feel very honored that I was even there for it. And he was really nervous about it. He was, I mean, you could even before uh, he started to talk, and even though it was a, a you know a house sized group and it wasn't a huge group, he was sweating bullets. And from what I can piece together, and I can't swear that this part, my assumption here is true, but many of these people who get into trouble with the government will get more public about what's happened because they don't want to find themselves six feet under. And so that was certainly a motivation for him to want to talk to some other people about it. So here's this poor man who had just lost his girlfriend in the shuttle disaster, and he had um, witnessed uh, a tall alien meeting with one of our astronauts in the open bay uh, of the uh, shuttle, and, you know, his life fell apart after all that. Well, I was trying to refresh my memory on some of this um, before this show tonight, and I just found out that he had died April of this year. Didn't know oh, wow. that. And if I wasn't if I wasn't checking on facts, you know, before I talked to you, I still wouldn't know. But he, when he died, he was um, in some kind of a nursing care type facility. He had lost his leg. I don't know why, um, but he died without much of anything, and he tried very, very hard um, to get the information out that he had to the public. Uh, He had a website. He was trying to get that out to people. And again, as I was doing this refresher course for myself, um, I found out that uh, very late in his life, um, I think while he was in the the nursing home, but I can't swear that's when it started, um, a professional writer um, worked with him and wrote a, uh, a book, you know, in tandem with him. I've ordered it. I haven't gotten it yet. Um, but um, I, you know, hopefully his story will come out and a few more people will hear about it. So that's the kind of extent of, um, you know, what I was exposed to just living on Cocoa Beach. And that's not the only thing. One of the engineers at NASA lived within walking distance down, you know, up the beach from where I was. And... Um, we became friends, and one day he showed up my, uh, at my door with a carton of books, and they were, it was 24 books by Alice Bailey. Now, you probably know who she is. Um, oh, yeah. I, I will explain it just briefly, and you can, you know, expand on it more. But she um, was into the, uh, the- theological, uh, what do you call it, theosophy. And she was she was uh, one of the first people to use the term New Age and the Age of Aquarius. And um, her books were esoteric. They were philosophical books. Um, they dealt with um, spiritual realities in the solar system, destiny of nations, meditation, healing, psychology, religion, telepathy. Well, that was really nice that he gave me these books, but what really surprised me besides the gift was that he said that uh, uh, a great many of his colleagues at NASA had already read all those. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me because but during that the, the time point, frame... The point, is, the point is that just from what I've just said so far, you would never guess that NASA was so deeply involved in all of this stuff back in '86 by what we're seeing in the news now. They truly are just spoon-feeding us just tidbits of information, and people shouldn't get excited about it because it's not much that they're showing us. No, not at all. And I think I've told you this before. uh, I think it was 1966, but my senior year in college, um, a UFO landed on the campus, and... When the police came in with their sirens and everything, they turned on the stadium lights, and it it lifted off, and it swooped over my dorm, and it it felt it felt like for a moment it hesitated there, kind of like take a good look, and then it went, and it was gone, and there was no noise, no sound, no uh, air displacement, and what was fascinating is that some people. Um, were terrified. Some people were screaming. Some people were hiding. Some people—I mean, you know—they were going wacko. Some people didn't see it. I saw it, mm. and all I could think of was, 
oh, this is so cool. It, does it have a VIN number? You know, because I, I mean, I, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. However, there was a total blackout of information about it. And the news, you know, didn't report it. Nobody reported it. It was, it was like it never happened. And then J. Allen Hynek came out and said, swamp gas. And, um, and I, I had been teased for decades about how much beer did I have to drink and, you know, and it's like, but I don't drink. So, you know, and, and, and there's such a, there was such a clampdown on any information about any of this stuff and people were, were, um, persecuted, literally. I mean, even my, you know, my mother believed me, but my son did not. Um, <laughs> of course that was later, but, um, so so there there has been such a reluctance to let any of this information out and and during that time frame with with the shuttle and everything that's according to conspiracy theorists and and I have to you know I'm not an expert on all of this either but I've read a lot the secret space program has been out there for decades so that so everything the, everything that I've read and heard and seen I agree with that yeah so so they're letting NASA go through all of the stupidity of playing around with, with I mean, our government has had UFOs that they have been able to reverse engineer. So our rockets that are going up in the, in the sky and stuff like that, I mean, that's just for the general public because there's no way they're going to, you know, in those rockets are going to make it anywhere, maybe around the moon. But, you know, so... So they are keeping the general public so I I know at first in 47 they did a they did a research and they said you know the general public can't handle it look at war of the worlds and the and the um and the panic that ensued but but today everybody knows this other stuff and the government is is you're right spoon feeding and and we're all sitting back saying oh come on we even have a space force now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not the, the secret space force, but eventually they will open up and, and admit that there is another space force out there. But but it it just it blows my mind that that we are kept in such darkness, and it isn't just well, in back, this. Back in, in um, back in that time period. Um, Terrible things were being done to people who did speak out and, and say that they were seeing something. Uh, uh-huh. One of the common things was to make them sound like they were crazy. Some people, I think, actually got locked up at some point or another because, you know, th- this cover-up went to that extent where people were actually being uh, hurt by the cover-up. And I can remember talking with people who uh, had said too much about what they saw and they were just belittled and and made fun of, you know, probably worse than what you're saying because I don't think you went as public as some of these other people did. But um, uh, it's cruel. It's cruel to try to make people think they're crazy. Well, yeah. Well, when I interviewed for my first job, somebody, the the man who was interviewing me, said, "Oh, you went to Eastern Michigan." I said, "I did." He said, "Uh, did you see the UFO?" What? And I said. I did, and he said, "Don't talk about it." <laughs> so, well, 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 well. So, so it was, you know, like that's the '60s. Now, you know, Roswell was in the '40s, and and you come up to up to the present moment. And during World War II, they were seeing they were seeing the UFOs. They were calling them Foo Fighters. I mean, they've been out there, and the general public is not stupid. So I, I don't I don't know what the government what what point the government is 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 taking here because I do believe if we knew how much money they were throwing into um, covert operations and 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 the other technologies that that they now have I think there would be an uprising. I really do because I do believe the government is holding back so much information, not only about UFOs but about cancer research and all sorts of other things that they, because big pharma is is in there controlling things. That that if it ever became common knowledge what they are holding back, 
Um, I think there would be an uprising in this country. I really think so. Well, we've got enough uprising going on in the country right now. I sincerely hope that doesn't happen. We don't need another <laughs> uprising. I mean, civil craziness no. is or is um, pretty out of control in so many situations. Uh, but let me let me jump just a little bit more and bring us up more recently. And again, I told you I was going to speak uh, at least to some degree from a first person um, perspective. Uh-huh. And more recently, I have in the last few years used Google Earth slash Mars. And I have found contemporary structures, biospheres, huge, huge entrances into the uh, planet's interior and landed spacecraft on Mars using Google Earth. And uh, uh-huh. uh, I, it, it's just fascinating. And some of these entrances, they are they're really huge. Uh, one of them is like 3,700 feet high and 528 feet uh, wide. That's huge. That is absolutely a monster. And at first I thought that I was finding uh, this, maybe the same entrance because they're, they're structured the same. Uh, they look uh, like the, what do you call it, the, the post and lintel structure for a, a basic door. Uh-huh. Um, but then when I excuse me, began to look at them more closely, they're different sizes, they're different widths, they're different heights. And so even though the entrance structure is, is so similar from one to the other, uh, they vary in size. So, um, and not only that, um, some of the stuff that I found initially, I would go back and I could see where they were doing airbrushing to, uh, uh, you know, make them look less obvious. And this happens a lot. It's happened to me a number of times when I've found something um, using Google Earth, and I give people the coordinates, and sometimes within just a day or so, it's blurred out, or you know something's been done to it, um, so that you can't really clearly see what's in the first one. So if anybody starts using Google Earth and, to play detective, and it can be very interesting, um, uh-huh. make a screenshot, you know, save it, because you may not see it exactly that way again. Um, and that's been done a number of times, you know, with Mars. Well, you've you've um on your on your website, um, Skyships Over Cashiers, um you have many articles with, with these pictures of these these um structures and you know, you've been using Google Earth for uh quite a while now and, and you've spotted um underwater airports, you've spotted uh, underwater structures all over the place. I mean, it's the Google Earth is is great in the in it's the, great the if, as long as you realize that it may disappear if you've discovered something they really don't want you to see. Um so I'll give you another example. Um back in 2011, I guess that does go back quite a ways. Back in 2011, <laughs> I found something that looks like a biosphere and I found it in the northern hemisphere of Mars. Uh 5 years later, I found a similar structure looking like a biosphere uh, at, near the South Pole. And these are not small. The smallest one, the one in the Northern Hemisphere, is um, over 652 feet long or in length. Wow. But the, the one I found in 2016 is over 7,000 feet in length. And oh my goodness. there is a, a man who is well known as um, a designer of um, uh, a concept artist for space biospheres, for all sorts of things. He's, he's had his uh, work in National Geographic and New Science and Mars Exploration Magazine. He's done work for um, Deep Space Industries, Interorbital Systems, the Mars Foundation. And I, on, on one of the articles, I have a picture of one of his designs right next to what I found on Mars. Now, the one on Mars is more blurred, but you can still see the similarity in structure. And if if people are interested in this, I know I've got Mars things probably spread around the the website. But um, oh, yeah. the three things the three things I've just mentioned are all in the 2016 archives of uh, Global Links, so people can. Just scroll through and and uh, slow down when you see a picture that looks like it might be Mars. <laughs> well, your your stuff is is profound, and and from 
books that I've read lately that, that are talking about those things that, that we haven't been told, they're talking about um, bases on the dark side of the moon. They're talking about bases on Mars already. And it, it, I don't understand why the government would keep us in such darkness. I mean, okay. obviously... Put a, put a, put a pin in that because we'll go back to the moon. Let me give you more, one more thing on Mars and then we'll go to the moon. How's this, how does that okay. sound? All right. Okay. Um, another, and I don't know when I posted this one, um, let's see, I guess I originally posted it in 2015 in that same section, Global uh, uh, Links. And it is a giant spaceship that's landed on Mars. And uh-huh. we're, we're talking about something that's really big because with Google Earth, there's a, a way of measuring things. And this thing is um, three, 3.58 miles in diameter. That is no small craft, and you no. can actually see the you can actually see the shadow on one side where you know it clearly is above uh, the surface. And uh, again, I've got the coordinates there, so um, if, if people are lucky, maybe it's still there, and you can find it for yourself. And if if people go and find these things, copy and paste the coordinates that I am able to give at least in some of the stories. Because if you don't get the little degree marks and stuff exactly right, it won't be uh-huh. accepted uh, with Google Earth. So just copy it, paste it into the Google Earth search bar Mars, and uh, you know you might be able to find it for yourself if they haven't gotten to it since I was there. <laughs> well, it's 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 really to me so amazing that that you know we have that. I mean, didn't they used to have NASA pictures up there that they're no longer putting up to? Correct. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And another thing that, um, that kind of supports all of this is um, back in this, oh, let's see, when was it? Oh, I think it was uh, at the end of 2020. It wasn't very long ago. And um, Professor, and I'm going to mess up his name, uh, a shed perhaps it, his last name is E S H E D and he served as the head of Israel's security space program uh for quite a long time from 1981 to 2010 and he's been awarded for his works i mean he's he's a very credible man and he uh went public um and the title i gave the article on our website was space security expert reveals alliance with space aliens I am uh-huh. not going to read his statement uh, on the air, but I will single out just a couple sentences. Um, uh, he said there is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here on Mars. They, too, are researching and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe, and they want us as helpers. So that's one direct, I mean, he he clearly states that the U.S. government is working with aliens on Mars. The other statement that jumped out at me was, he quote, there's an underground base in the depths of Mars where their representatives, referring to the aliens, are located and also are American astronauts. Uh So you can see why I, when when they first started coming out with this stuff, what, a couple weeks ago, I just yeah. got totally annoyed, just totally annoyed because I thought this is just so minuscule compared to what's really going on. Well, not only that, but look at the the Antarctic. I mean, Operation High Jump was not an exercise; it was an exercise of futility. But they were they were sent to the the um, the Antarctic to destroy a base that that was there theoretically and and they got attacked by saucers and the ship got sank sunk sank destroyed <laughs> whatever word it is right i got you sink sank sunk um well, you and i and both do better back. when we write when we write we'll probably not mutilate the english <laughs> but sometimes when you just talk off the top of your head we just don't get it right that's true so so there is there is clearly Underground an underground base of some sort in the Antarctic. Everybody knows uh, about yeah. it, but nobody talks about it. Um, mainstream doesn't talk about it. There are certainly enough people um, 
you know, and alternate sources that are dealing with it. And that's one of the places where I first began to really get uh, censored. Um, again, using Google Earth, my, my detective play toy, I found a um, uh, I found two giant entrances into the interior of Antarctica, and uh-huh. one of them actually looks like it has a like a metal awning over the entrance. It's kind of um, I don't know circular shape, but it still looks like an awning. And yeah. to give you a perspective, uh, the one that has the bowl shaped awning over it. Um, let's see here. Oh, it's the other one. The larger one is 295 feet at its widest point and 98 feet in height. And to give a perspective on this, the wingspan of a Boeing 747 is only 196 feet. So that means a a Boeing 747 could fly into this entranceway and have essentially 50 feet on each side of its wingtips. Now, once I did that, they they uh, essentially spilled in the ink all over the image, and you couldn't see it anymore. Wow! But I but I had the original image, and um, I don't know what to tell you. But that was uh, one of the times when I was really disappointed that um, they were able to do that. So Google Earth is a wonderful tool. We discover many things that way. But clearly, they're in cahoots with the government as far as covering up things the government doesn't want the general public to know. But, you know, because of the Internet, because of Google Earth, because of because communication is now so easy with putting information out there in many different ways, shapes, forms, um, it doesn't make sense to me to, to censor, to hold back. I, I think the one thing that, that, that because they've reverse-engineered so much – I mean, we we have the capacity to do, you know, to do space travel that that goes beyond the these humongous clunky things we're sending into space and the space station up there now. What is why? Why would they keep it from us? I mean, part of it has to be because you know, um, big pharma and and the and the um, and the uh, energy people, you know, don't want us to understand how how much technology we actually have because it would take away their, well, it would take away the money that they're they're scoffing off all of us continuously. But it it just it it to me is mankind here has the capacity to do so much more and is doing it, but in secret. So why not let the general public know what's going on? Maybe we'd have greater um, compassion for the quote-unquote government, but but I, I get a feeling sometimes that, that the government, in other words, the president and the Senate and the Congress, they don't even know what's going on. So who is it that's doing all the controlling? Well, clearly our, our um the the uh, Congress in Washington certainly is not in control of everything. They can't even deal with everyday stuff that's going on in the country right now. So uh, they're certainly not ones to be dependent on. In actuality, I can understand why initially they tried to protect the the public from aliens and UFOs because. Like Roswell happened in '47, that was shortly after World War II. Eisenhower, I believe, was well. Anyhow, when he was president, um, he—and this has been written about in many different ways—but he was um, approached by one race of aliens uh, that said that they would help us if we would simply not use nuclear uh, weapons uh-huh. because of the paranoia of World War II and Eisenhower was a super-duper general, he was afraid to give that uh, up uh, just because we had gone through this terrible war. So he made a deal with a different group of aliens, and it was kind of a tit-for-tat thing. You let us do this, and, you know, you can have this. Um, So I think we got in a bind with um, at that point. But you can understand at one level why 
he didn't want to give up the weapons because he was a general who was supposed to protect mm-hmm. the country. But that's how we got in a whole lot of trouble. But, Mary, you know, this has always bothered me, and maybe you can clarify it for me. If there is another species or alien alien species that comes to the Earth, why would they make a contract with us? They're obviously superior. They obviously have technology well beyond ours. So why don't they just take what they want? I mean, it's kind of like us making contracts with the Indians and then breaking them. My my theory would be that if we made a contract with a superior species that, you know, had 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 space travel and all of that, you know, they could easily take what they want. They didn't have to make a, 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 a con- sign a contract with them. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if I have a real good answer for that one. But there was oh, okay. some agreement that that was made, and uh, that that has come from uh, a number of different people who have been, you know, close to that administration. And I, I know and that his, they... grand, his granddaughter, who, um, I you know, I haven't seen a video or anything on her in a number of years, but um, she's been very vocal about what's going on in Mars. Yeah, Laura. She comes off of, at the time I saw her, she came across a little bit like a leftover uh, hippie from the 1960s. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't, I do not know, you know, what she's like now. But uh, she well, probably I'll, I'll has tell you, some, she, some truth. It, if you're interested, on Saturday night she's going to be on Nightlight. <laughs> no kidding. Good for you. I hope you have yeah, a whole lot of good good questions for her. Oh, I do, I do. She's a great-granddaughter. Oh, it's great-granddaughter. Okay, all right. Yeah. Can't trust yeah, and, me, and, my yes. goodness. I dropped a granddaughter. Yeah, Laura Eisenhower. Yeah, Laura. Uh-huh. And uh, so... Yeah, yeah, she she supposedly was actually asked, asked to take part in the twenty and back um, secret space program, where they serve for twenty years and then they return you to the time that you signed up and wipe your memory and you go back to your life and you don't even remember that you served in the space program. So, and she refused um, to do that. Yeah, she 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 turned them down. So. Uh, yeah, I, 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 she's she's into a lot of stuff. So yes, it's going to be interesting on 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 Saturday. She's she's very enthusiastic. I have a feeling she's a wind up and just sit back and bake cookies while she talks. So, but we'll see. Maybe I'll get a, a word in there. That, that should be a very interesting program. I would encourage everybody who's listening to tune in and 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 hear that show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, so, so see, the thing is, I, I understand them wanting to, you know, the, the the reverse engineering, we had down saucers, so we have the materials. I mean, and theoretically, Velcro is something we got from one of the reverse engineering um, things. But I, I know that there is some sort of authority controlling not only the knowledge of, you know, our connection to extraterrestrials, but but also what is what is made available to the general public and what is not. And that takes me back to almost that 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 uh, was it a Twilight Zone? Um, Rod Sterling did where the alien lands on the White House lawn and you know he comes in peace and he's going to help people heal and he's going to give things to humanity and. And then he says, you know, he he has a book in his hands, and and the title is to serve man, and you know he's he's here to give us help and give us this and that, and then he finally says, you know, anybody who would like to visit his home planet, they're free to come. They're going to have to put on weight because the space travel is, you know, hard on the system. And at the very end, somebody translates the rest of the book, and it turns out to serve man is a cookbook. Uh, Rod Sterling came out with some really uh, thought-provoking uh, episodes. Um, he uh, did. <laughs> where, uh, there's another, there, I didn't watch it all the time, but I do remember one where um, I, I think it was a couple. I, but this is going way back. But they were um, 
they wanted them to feel at home on their planet, so they set up a thing that looked like Earth and the house and all this kind of stuff. And um, I, I, don't hold me to this. It was like suddenly the curtains pulled back, and they are in a zoo cage, and the people yeah. on the other planet are observing them. Yep, I That's saw that another, well, I probably yeah. didn't tell it right because, I mean, I'm really digging back into the archives because I've never seen it again since it originally came out, which is forever ago. No, you're, 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 you're absolutely right on. That's exactly what it was. So, so, so it's sort of like, okay, if, if we really are in contact with these other species and whatever, it seems to me that the, the conspiracy theories are probably – a lot worse than the reality of what's going on. And and so, you know, just being honest and saying, okay, we are working. Vernon von Braun um, talked about getting help from aliens. I mean, he was very, you know, open about the fact that their space program, they had, they had alien... Um, aliens helping them with, with a lot of their materials. And when when um, Project Paperclip came over here, all of the Nazis were, you know, given new names and new identities and and put to work in our space program. And there's, you know, I mean, that you're right. And at NASA, uh, there's a there's. Let's see, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of this book, but it was Bill Tompkins or Tompkins, and yeah. he worked yeah. at the highest levels at NASA. He worked directly with von Braun and the second man in control, whose name I do not remember. And his book reveals that they had uh, ETs that looked like us uh, uh-huh. that were uh, providing the, the information, and we made such quick um, progress in our space program early on because we essentially were being fed the information by these these ETs. But there were the good ones and the bad ones. He describes... Uh, that there were also those who could pass for a short time as humans, but then, uh, you know, he'd seen them transform into reptilians. So there yeah, were the good yeah. and bad ones within that program also. So, yeah, the yeah, ETs you, have been involved with us for quite some time. And, you know, according to some, you know, they've been here forever. They've been here as long as we've been here. So in a way... Well, if you, if, if you look at some of the uh, Egyptian art, you know, with the elongated heads and those, uh-huh. you know, the, the helmet-like hats that they wore uh, would cover up the long head, but there's a lot of art around the world uh, showing, um, uh, the, like, the royalty of Egypt looking that way. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it was, it was, it was Akhenaten, I think, mm-hmm. that... Or, or he didn't have yeah, a normal shape body. He didn't have a normal shape body, and no. he had that elongated uh, head or skull. And, and their children were the talk same. About, I'm sorry. And and their children were were deformed as well. So. Mhm. So yeah, they've been yeah, around no. for a long time. So when they get all excited about this little radar screen with a little blip <laughs> going through it, you just want to scream because you know this. Just is just baby stuff, and I mentioned earlier we should put a pin on the subject of the moon. Um, there's been, well, I remember again years ago we did a story on a woman who worked at NASA, and her job was to uh, airbrush out some of the structures they were finding on the backside of the moon. And if you look at some of the photos, you can, and if you have a good eye, you can actually tell that something has been manipulated or airbrushed or changed in some way. Um, Another thing is we have to ask the question, why are we so focused on getting to Mars and we seem to have just gone to the moon and decided never to go back again? And Uh I have no way of knowing this, but my guess is that the ETs that are based on the other side of the moon don't want us up there. Well, I I heard, I read someplace that that the ETs, um, I forget which mission, mission, when they landed, um, they were in a crater, and and all around the rim of the crater were spaceships, and they were were told, don't come back. Mm -hmm. And And we we didn't. Right. 
but, so but you there's know, a the, lot to be. Like I said, I tried to do my homework before we had the show tonight, um, and we've had our website since 2008. And uh-huh. I can remember stuff, and then it's like, all right, which section did I put that in, and what year was it in? I can't always immediately find what I'm looking for. Um, but um, uh, one of the stories that I did was a, a man, you know, very much on, you know, an insider on all the space stuff. He said going back to World War uh, Two, that uh-huh. the, um, and this is what I wanted to find. I don't remember the title. It was like there were Navy, um, oh, like, Secret agents, that's not the term. But they um, revealed that back then the ETs from, I think, Antarctica were flying to the moon and back. Uh-huh. And that's World War Two. Yeah, and so, I mean, how much fun would a history class be <laughs> if all this oh, information was Oh, if it was real there? history, man, the kids would just be... Absolutely glued to the teacher to, when to hear these kind of stories. And and you know what really gets me is I mean there's so much I mean Christopher Columbus saw a an unidentified uh, flying object come out of the ocean, and it's in his wait, wait, journal. Wait 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 can, can can you stand to be corrected on that one? Sure. Okay. Um, one year I went to uh, San Salvador, which is the island in the Bahamas where. Uh, they believe Christopher Columbus first landed. I went there uh-huh. uh, at the t- I was working for a newspaper, so I was going for a story too. And I was there for the Columbus Day uh, celebration on this little island. It's an out island, so we're not talking big activities. And while I was there, which was the same time of the year as Christopher Columbus landed supposedly on this island, I was in one of the areas where the natives were, um, they would have these bonfires, and they would um, throw wood on them, and when they did, these sparks would go up. And they, those were, that is what Columbus was seeing from his ship. And the same thing when I was there happened when Columbus was there, because to keep the mosquitoes away, they would keep these fires going, because that time of year the ah. mosquitoes were bad. And so I, he may have seen UFOs, but he saw those close to shore, and I suspect it was the same fires I was seeing. Could be. Could be. I forget yeah. where in his journal, if he was, you know, out of sight of land or... Um, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to go find the. Now I'm going to have to go find the journal thing because if he was out at sea when he saw it, it would be. Again, you and I are digging around in my memory bank, which is always should be refreshed before going off talking about it. But what I do (laughs) think I remember, because I was reading his journal, was that um, they kind of, um, I don't know, like coasted right offshore waiting for Uh uh, daytime to, to land, and they wanted to land on the far side of the island, or I believe the west side of the island, where it would be more protected. So they were like just coasting back and forth, waiting for daylight. So they were close, huh. not like they were out at sea. I, I'm pretty I just, sure that's good. I'm pretty sure I got but, that. Oh, right. I, I'm sure you probably did. I know that on on my website, I've got archives of sightings of UFOs that go back to the beginning of time, just about. And um, it, 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 I did not compile it. Patrick did. And because it wasn't in any of his books, it, it ended up on my website to make sure the information was was there. But there's there's a a list of of sightings of UFOs that go back literally to almost you know caveman time, um, and and it comes all the way up to kind of current not not current obviously because he passed away ten years ago, but um, but it does cover a lot of this and it covers a lot of the military people that have that have been exposed to um ufo encounters and and um i don't know if you ever looked at it mary looked at we have what on my website the ufo section no i haven't oh yes i bet that might be of interest (laughs) okay all righty i will i will get to it i i do i do not take credit for all of the work that went into it patrick cook did it 
but um, because it, it wasn't any place else, I just put it on my, my website, along with the giant material. That is from Patrick's website as well. Um, but his website and, had to come and down. That's, and another I wanted... thing. that's another thing they're hiding from us, and I don't know why. And a number of books have come out in recent years about all the giant skeletons that have disappeared uh, when they've been turned over to the Smithsonian. And oh, yeah. You already have mentioned that I did one book on the Cherokee Little People Were Real, and it's based primarily on all the little tunnels and skeletons that were found at Western Carolina University, which is close to where I live. Uh-huh. I don't even know where I wanted to go with that, but anyhow, um, I don't know. It's just... Amazing, but they they had those little skeletons, and they had also two giant skeletons. I got this from uh, people who had graduated from the anthropology department. They had two giant skeletons with six toes, and those and the little skeleton uh, of the little person with the wisdom teeth got shipped off uh-huh. to the Smithsonian just a few years ago. So I don't know if we'll ever see that again either. Why well, do they want to hide the reality of giants? Why? I don't know, but um, the um, on my website there's a huge section on giant sightings and reports and things like that. Um, you can spend days in it. But one of the cool things about the giants is, you know, the similarities between the red hair, the fair skin, double rows of teeth, and extra digits on uh, fingers and toes. And um, somebody that was a co-host on my show for a very long time. Um, swears that that she was a descendant because she had auburn hair, fair skin. Everybody in her family was born with double rows of teeth and extra digits and toes. No, I'm serious. And, you know, she said it's common knowledge that, you know, anybody born in our family, um, chances are they're going to have, you know, the teeth and the extra digits and... Hmm. um, I mean, Deb, Deb was an amazing person, and she said, you know, her whole family, as far as she knew, could could even trace it back, had the um, the genetic anomaly of double rows of teeth. Do you have her story hair. on your website or someplace else? No, and she's passed oh. away. But uh, yeah, I I I should have interviewed her when I had the chance, you know. Oh well, we don't. that would have been a good one. It would have been a very Especially good one. Especially if you could have gotten photos to go along with it, that would have been a humdinger of a of a report. Well, it would have because you know they had the scars. You they, you could see where the fingers were taken off and the toes were taken off, mm-hmm. so that so that you know the shoes would fit and you know mm-hmm. and, and of course gloves. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but um, well. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons I have those two sections on the website because tremendous amount of research went into just documenting all of the sightings and all of the reports. And um, and you were mentioning the little people here in Tennessee. There's a huge, they discovered huge graveyards of little mm-hmm. people, thousands yeah. and thousands of them. Mm-hmm. And and you know you I looked up. Um, when, the last time we were talking about the little people, and I, I discovered, you know, that the graveyards were here and stuff. And the man who um, documented it back in the in the 1800s, there there was a museum that was founded here in Tennessee. And then when the museum was closed, all of the material was sent over to another museum here in Tennessee, and 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 the stuff, the the proof, the the bones, whatever. Um, are in storage someplace. They're not on display anymore. So mm. it's a matter of uh, people don't want to know the cool stuff like that. I, I know at Thanksgiving dinner I told um, my son and daughter-in-law have a thing, and, you know, you, you have to bring an interesting topic to the to the table for conversation. And I was all set with this, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I looked at them and I said, no, this is true. Google it for Pete's mm. sake. Hmm. Well, here they've well, all lived well, well. here in Tennessee, and they didn't know about it. So, I think that uh, you know this country has so much fascinating stuff going on in it that that the general public just doesn't even care about. 
that the, it, it boggles my mind. I mean, there is so much amazing material and, and amazing history that that isn't taught in school that people should should take the time to gather because this is an amazing country and it has an antiquity. Where was the woman from that had the uh, the uh, genetic things from giants? Um, where did she live? She lived in Oklahoma. Hmm. Well, I wish you could figure out a way to dig that story up. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to say dig her up, and I was going to say, oh, I don't oh, no, 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 feel no, your family no. I'm, wouldn't I'm not like into that. that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so I know this is a little bit off topic, and we're just about uh, at the end of your show, but um, we, we I are. started doing yeah. a little bit of research on this story that's been breaking in, you know, in a big way uh, in the last week or so about the uh-huh. Havana syndrome where um you know uh, CIA people and and uh, and other diplomats in uh in uh Cuba uh were getting zapped it was doing you know bad things to their brains and recently oh, yeah. uh, there have been people outside the uh that are staffers for the uh president who are outside uh-huh. the uh, White House and they got zapped and so I, in the, I just started doing preliminary research, and I found out um, about the aluminum foil, which we've made jokes about forever, that, you know, you can protect yourself and the aliens by wearing a, a tinfoil hat. Yeah. Well, after reading this, I went and took my cell phone and wrapped it up in aluminum foil today. Then I called my cell phone for my land phone. Would you believe it didn't work? Oh, Wow. And then, so if your if if your listeners like to, you know, play around the experiment, try that one out because it really didn't work. And um, well, that's that was this afternoon, and I had my sister do it, and same thing happened. So it's kind of I, a fun I little have, thing to do. It, it is, and and I think that it's important. You know, Christmas Day there was um, a van that was blown up in Nashville outside the AT and T building that had a lot of the voting machines in it to. And there was an amazing EMP surge, and it it burned up the power source in my computer, and mm. and so there is a lot of this electronic stuff going on. So if people are experiencing headaches and stuff like that, try wearing tin foil on your head and see if it helps. It can't hurt. Can't hurt at all. Yeah, like I said, I was actually amazed that it, I thought maybe it'd be a faint ring or something, but no, it just wouldn't ring at all. So um, wow, there's something to the aluminum foil. Yeah, Mark has a picture of himself with a aluminum foil hat up on on uh, on one of his Facebook pages or something, and he, you know, I, I think I'll stop teasing him about it. He probably was smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> he might have been. Might have been. Anyhow, I felt well, like uh, I, we ought to tell the president and he ought to start wearing something on his head. Yeah, maybe too late, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so much for political whatever. But I want to thank you again. This has been such a cool hour, and, and, and I, I look forward to every time that you come on and talk about this wonderful stuff. And it's always a joy to talk to you, too. Thank you so much. Well, we will have to do this again next month, and uh, I'm sure we'll find another great topic to talk about, too. But uh, check out Mary's website. It's, it's Skyships Over Cashiers. It's a fabulous website. You'll get lost in it. You know, take a sandwich and a blanket and, and cookies and, you know, just, just get lost in it because the archives go back for decades, and they're all fascinating. Um, Again, Mary, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate your taking the time to do the show with me. Okay. I yeah. hope you have a nice evening. Sleep well. You too. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, look forward to tomorrow. I, tomorrow, Solaris and I are going to be going into the um, to spirituality. So check out that show. Uh, on Saturday, I have Laura Eisenhower on. And then next week, we're back to a regular Monday, Tuesday show, and uh, look forward to seeing you there. Check out the uh, YouTube channel. If you like what you see, please subscribe. That's how we know you're listening. Good night now.